welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. Now, today on the podcast, we are joined by Chantal Cabage of Direct Her Network. So if I was just to say it like quickly, it would be director. But I want to be really clear. It's direct her, all one word, because the Director Network is a woman-led, not-for-profit dedicated to empowering Albertan women with the tools and support necessary to serve on boards. Now, if you're listening to this podcast episode and you're like, I'm not from Alberta, doesn't matter, still listen, because Chantelle and I have a really great conversation about uh, how to get into leadership positions. If Especially for women nowadays, we really feel like we have to wait until we have all the skills in place, till we have the title, till we, have all, till we check all the boxes. And Chantelle shares why we should not be doing that. She shares some of the strategies and how to think about uh, the skills that we have instead of the title that we have. It was such a really interesting conversation. And we also talk about how Director came to be and the fateful night, the fateful morning that brought the organization into life. It's been running for over a year now and they've, uh, or almost a year uh, for International Women's Day, I believe they're having their first full birthday and they've got some phenomenal events coming up. So to find information on those events, go to girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast dash 148 because we're on episode 148. I'm super pumped about it. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. I've been through the ATBX program, we all know that, and I am such a fan of the work that ATB does in helping entrepreneurs in general, whether they've been through ATBX or not. So I want to share a little story of one of their clients. So Christine is a foodie with a passion for healthy, casual vegan food. With a business plan in mind for a health-conscious eatery, she reached out to ATB. And after being introduced to a manager of entrepreneurship, she was happy to find that she was not only, they supported her dream, but they were excited about it too. And now Christina has more than two successful KB and Co restaurants located in Edmonton. I know they're expanding to Grand Prairie and Calgary and, or I might be wrong about Grand Prairie, St. Albert for sure, Kelowna. Uh, I'm really excited because we're meant to have Christina coming on the podcast and I'm sure she will share all about the value of being with ATB and how they have helped her on her entrepreneurial journey. Now, this particular episode is also... um, The Alberta Podcast Network is also happy to be partnering with Seat Giant to offer you a deal on tickets to major sporting events, big concerts, popular theater throughout North America, and more. So whether you're at home or on vacation, you should always check Seat Giant for tickets to the hottest events. Uh, You know, they have all sorts of sports events, which have zero interest for me. (laughs) Uh, But then there's comedy tickets like John Cleese, Oprah Winfrey, Hamilton, Book of Mormon, and more. So visit SeatGiant.ca to find tickets. And if you use the promo code APN for the Alberta Podcast Network at checkout, you'll get 5% off your purchase. You'll save a little bit and the network will get a little bit as well. All the tickets are in Canadian dollars. So even for events that are in the U.S., Seat Giant is actually a Canadian-owned and operated uh, company, so it guarantees every ticket, and you're supporting local, essentially. So check out SeatGiant.ca. Now, without further ado, I'm super pumped to get into this episode with Chantelle. She has some phenomenal advice to offer, and I love her take on stress management as well. It was a really great conversation. So again, if you want the show notes with all the links to everything that Direct Her and Chantelle are up to, go to girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast dash 148. Okay, into the interview. Well, thank you very much, Chantel, for joining me on the podcast. I'm really pleased to have you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. 
So we had connected, uh, I, I had heard about Direct Her and you had connected with me via email and I was really fascinated by the work that you were doing. And I think we chatted about this in our sort of initial phone conversation that the work that Direct Her is doing is just so needed in society. But let's talk about how it came to inception. You woke up November 9th. For anyone that doesn't remember, what was November 9th, 2016 for you like? Yeah, so that was a morning I woke up uh, feeling punched in the stomach. And if you need the context, that was the day after Donald Trump was elected as president in the United States. And that feeling wasn't something I was anticipating because I'm in Canada. Of course, there's going to be some impact, but you know, I'm not a, a citizen of that, that country. So why is this impacting me so viscerally? And for me now with the gift of reflection and time, it was a concern for um, rights, <laughs> rights that particularly as a lawyer, I, I just assumed are entrenched and starting to question if that might actually be the case. Uh, and particularly with respect to gender issues. Um, and I think we've kind of seen that play out a little bit. And so um, that rattled me a little, a little more than I anticipated. And interestingly, when I look to the really strong, intelligent women around me, who I would assume would be lifting me up, they were feeling that same way and kind of equally rattled. And so it was a moment of, wow, this, this is something and we need to do something. And were you a parent at that time? I wasn't yet. No. Do you like, how is it, how does it feel now raising a child with mm. that as the president? Yeah. I mean, I think it feels that much more necessary, right? Yeah. Is that in a world of what feels like extremes, there can be moderation. There can be kind of a real middle ground where people come together. And so it's that much more important that we recognize our own biases, rec recognize the importance of our own perspectives, but how um, that's only as good as a balanced perspective. Yeah. It's funny because I remember, I think my son was maybe 11 months old at the time. And mm. the, on November 8th, he had gone to bed in a onesie that said, this is what a feminist looks like. Because I was just so certain. And then, yeah, having that feeling the next morning. I, however, did not go on to start an organization. So tell me about like how long between then and starting director and what was the focus of it? Yeah, so I would say that was the triggering for some conversations that involved wine amongst friends uh, and, you know, a evolution of feeling from just sadness and despair to, okay, we can do something. Uh, there was a kind of an initial group that had a lot of lawyers in it. And as a result, when we thought of our skills and expertise and interests, the board world started to kind of rear its head uh, just because of the importance that plays in leadership, uh, especially in corporate world. Uh, and because as we started to look at what was available for someone who was maybe just a bit interested in what it meant to be a board or just you know, starting to toy with that idea, there was really limited options available um, at an accessible price point and at a regular frequency. But you mentioned my son and he was kind of the delaying factor in all of this. Uh, in 2017, I became pregnant and um, so that all kind of paused as I went through my pregnancy. And my son was born at the end of 2017. 
and it was kind of in 2018 once I got out of the fog of being a new mom my son was still trained (laughs) yeah that uh I was like okay this needs to happen like it's been on my mind it's still there how do we do this and so it really was just me hiring a babysitter going and sitting in a coffee shop and chipping away at what would I want and I think that's a it's an interesting point because here I was a lawyer arguably with access to you know a great amount of uh, education, knowledge, community, all these things. And I was still self-selecting out from a lot of this opportunity, feeling like I wasn't enough. Like I don't, and don't know everything. I'm not a 10 out of 10 on knowledge, so I can't do this. And so when I sat in that coffee shop, I approached it from what are the pillars of knowledge that might prevent me from trying to join a board and if I can cover those pillars at least in some fashion that's gonna that's gonna really empower people to try. So what are some of those pillars what are the things that we do put in our way? Yeah so I think from the pillars of knowledge you can look at the structure like how do not-for-profits and we kind of take a not-for-profit focus with director network but um, a lot of the principles are also applicable in the for-profit world but the structure how these organizations come to be and why they have these things called boards of directors uh, what the board is going to do when it is in place and is functioning Um, a big one is financial literacy so people often say ah numbers terrify me thus I can't do this thing I'm not an accountant thus I can't do this thing and obviously not every board member has to be an accountant but we we hold ourselves to that standard Um, and then there's a lot of language uh, with process boards are kind of a unique beast and things throughout time have been set up that are meant to help the board get business done to make decisions but some of the very complex boards processes have been implemented in very small kind of, you know, working not-for-profit boards. And that can create barrier because people are like, oh, they just called a motion. What's the motion mean? Right. And so we try to just illuminate what the actual intent behind a lot of these pillars are so that when you show up, one, it's probably not even happening right. (laughs) And so you can recognize that it's like an eyes wide open experience, right? Oh, I remember that word. And I remember what the general intent of that word is. And you might not get it right. And you know, right can be a very loosely defined word, but at least you have a little bit of the background to say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I have a question here. I know this is what it's trying to happen and what we're trying to achieve. How do I, how do I make that happen here in this room? Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, you're saying lawyers and accountants, and I think a lot of individuals think that's what makes up a board. Mm -hmm. And yet there is so much space for your average woman with the, with all the knowledge that we bring to the table. Like how do you encourage more women from different kinds of backgrounds to get involved? Yeah. Yeah. And this is like one of my personal missions and this year and beyond is for particularly women to stop looking at themselves as a title and start to see themselves as a bucket of skills. Uh, Maybe some of them are brand new skills. Maybe some of them are really well entrenched, but when we make that shift, we let go of kind of the handcuffs that titles can hold. And so both ways, some people will see the title lawyer and they'll think, Oh, that, you know, that person has all this stuff that I don't have. 
vice versa, a lawyer will see themselves as that title and be saying, I can only be a lawyer. Yeah. And so either way, it's kind of looking at this thing called a board and saying, what kind of skills does a board need? What are they looking for? What is their goal and what helps them get there? And if we start looking at it that way, then if we take the lawyer example, often people are looking at that and what they really want is someone who's good at analyzing risk. Mm-hmm. Well, I get, I guarantee you an emergency nurse is really good at analyzing risk because they do it every day. And so it's starting to say, what's the root skill and how does it show up for me in my life? And that can come in all ways and shapes and forms. Yeah. So then part of it is also on the nonprofit or the board in general to start sort of advertising those skill sets, right? And not because they often do the, we need a lawyer, we need an accountant. Yeah. It's yeah. a really good point. And it's, it goes to this perception we all have that everyone has it figured out, <laughs> which is now that I work in the board space kind of exclusively, I've learned how false that perception yeah. is. Like yeah. everyone's just trying to do the best they can, but this whole board world isn't something that we learn in school, no matter our background. I went to law school. I didn't learn. I mean, I kind of vaguely learned yeah. about corporate structure, but I didn't have some in-depth knowledge about board governance. I've figured it out through experience and through like putting myself out there to figure it out. But you'll get a boards, a lot of boards, especially in the not-for-profit space, but also in the for-profit space, quite frankly. And they don't have the conversation about what their actual role is, what their job is to do here. And so you have a lot of confusion at the board level. And so you enter thinking they have it all figured out, but they don't. And that's the beauty of asking questions. And especially what, you know, people will call the simple questions or the dumb questions. Like, no, those questions actually can be the most illuminating to help boards figure it out and figure out what they want to be and how they're going to achieve that. And that's interesting because I think a lot of people are afraid to ask the question. Oh, but yeah. If you've got the question, guaranteed half the people in the room have the question. Yeah. It, you know, when it comes to gender diversity on boards, which is an area I've now really immersed myself in, is that that is often what we hear is a skill that women bring to the boards is that ability to really listen for the sake of listening, um, which I distinguish from listening to talk, Mm -hmm. uh, which I see a lot of. (laughs) Yeah. And listen, synthesize these different statements and opinions coming at them and recognize there's maybe kind of a root knowledge gap or some sort of root thing that needs to be clarified and raise it to make sure it's a level setting exercise. And so that level setting, as you work through different topics that can be easy or complex is so important to bring everyone back to the same page to say, Hey, are we all in agreement that we're starting from this thing called X or we're starting from this thing called Y or Z, right? And so those questions are just so good for level setting because you know, it's like the idea that you build a house on a poor foundation, right? Great. It's a beautiful house, but it's going to fall over in five seconds. You need to build from a place of good foundation. Yeah. So I want to backtrack for a minute. Um, Where were you in your career trajectory at this point? Because I imagine this until November 9th, this wasn't exactly what your plan had been for your future, maybe in some core ways and core values, but what, what were you doing and what was your plan? Yeah, so I was 
a lawyer. I was working in-house for a large kind of quasi-governmental organization at that point. And I would say I was on a very narrow path in that I didn't have a lot of big, crazy goals and ideas for myself. I saw myself kind of as that title rather than a set of skills. And so as a lawyer, I said, okay, I'm here with this organization. And I saw kind of the very obvious path of how I could grow within the organization. But what was interesting for me was through this side experience and feeling some of the like high highs and connecting with community and empowering women and educating, I started to recognize some of the gaps in my own career and tried to reconcile them to the best I could within that organization, but eventually had to get to the point where I was recognizing that maybe there wasn't an answer in the obvious path ahead of me. Maybe it needed to be a different path, but I didn't have necessarily a huge confidence to build that path on my own at that very moment. So there was definitely a lot of like, ah, this is the rest of my life. What am I going to do? Um, but through the exercise of connecting with women, hearing them use their voice, continually using my own voice, recognizing we had, you know, 12, 15 events through 2019, I got a lot more comfortable using it and starting to talk about my skills. And it's something I'm so um, passionate about having other people do now is just like, get comfortable in language to describe your skills and talk about it. Talk about it all the time because you don't know when that opportunity is around the corner and your use of your voice will help you connect to it. And so it was that exact, uh, that exact way that led me to my current employment, you know, talking about my skills, showing kind of the world what they were, and then kind of jokingly saying to someone who I reconnected with after a long time, how do I work with you again? Which led to an entirely new career path. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So had you at that point been on a board? Had you taken on those kind of mm. leadership roles? I hadn't been on a board and um, I had definitely taken on leadership. I, uh, I would say if we think of the board management distinction, so board in that very governance role, providing that strategic and risk advice as compared to the doing work of operations. I had definitely taken on leadership in the doing side of things, but not really on that strategic side, uh, which is kind of hilarious, right? Uh, that I'm going to go out and teach people about it. But well, my, um, I guess my armor and my swords were was that I had a great group of people around me who had varying levels of board experience. And so the story we can tell and the education we can provide, it really lands with a lot of different people because you can relate to my story or you can relate to someone like our facilitator, Brianna's story, who has sat on a lot of boards. Um, now my story has evolved in that time. I work with boards day in and day out now. So I have a new perspective um, that gives me a, obviously a lot more confidence that way too. But uh, having those different people in our group to say, hey, here's our story and we're still telling you you can be on a board, I think is really helpful because people will connect at different levels while still getting really like superior education because we do have so many different uh, perspectives coming in. Yeah. I just want to quickly pause this interview 
To talk a little bit about Stressless in 90 Days, our self-led program. If you are feeling overworked, overwhelmed, or overtired, Stressless Ladies can help. This is a course where we help you to develop the tools, strategies, and mindset required to take you from a stress ball to stressing less. It's something where you can go at your own pace or you can follow along week by week. Life isn't stressless, but you truly can stress less. The World Health Organization has actually stated that stress is the health epidemic of the 21st century. And that sounds scary, but it doesn't have to be. So we designed Stressless in 90 Days to put you back in the driver's seat of your relationship to stress. Women that go through this program find that they begin to apply the strategies. When they begin to apply the strategies, they begin to feel more confident empowered and they have more energy for whatever matters most to them and their heads feel spacious instead of like a dang hamster to wheel. So you have the ability to do this. What's included, there's 12 weeks of video content to help you build the tools, strategies, and mindsets to recalibrate your relationship to stress. There are all these curated downloads, meditations, meal plans, nighttime yoga routines, etc. So you've got amazing resources at your fingertips. And the most important part truly is the Stressless in 90 Days journal, which helps accompany the videos. These include uh, exercises, reflective writing prompts, and more. Because here's the thing, if you are not self-aware and self-reflective going through this process, then you're only kind of taking away the top layer of stress. We help you go deep so that this lasts. The final benefit of Stressless in 90 Days self-led is that it is the most affordable option. We wanted to create something that truly anyone would be able to access and be able to afford because stress reduction shouldn't just be for the people that can, aff- like, that can afford big ticket items, right? So to access this, you go to stresslessladies.com forward slash coaching. Why is it, do you think that so, like, this is supposed to be the lean in generation, right? And there are some incredible examples, like what you're doing is such an incredible example. Why do you think you had said earlier on, you were even opting out in some ways? Why are we, why are we opting out? You know, this is a really uh, interesting question, this whole lean in versus, I don't think lean out is the right word, but this idea of whose problem is it to solve in a way? Is it women leaning in, showing up more, or is it kind of a societal issue? And I've had to bat this one around a lot. And I've learned that in a lot of these issues that are really complex, I don't, I didn't, or I don't have a really strong opinion. I think that's actually a good thing because Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to be mindful of all perspectives when I come to my answer. But where I've kind of landed is I think it's a bit of both. Um, There are absolute structural barriers that women face that men don't and that all kind of when you look at the issue of diversity that there are additional barriers that are faced by diverse opinions and obviously when you layer diversity on diversity you know we see intersectionality so me being a Caucasian woman versus a woman of color versus an indigenous woman um we all face different barriers, but barriers start to pile up on each other with each level of diversity. And so that's an absolute issue. And that's where we need the societal community approach of saying, why is this a point important and why should it be important for everyone? And for us, when we do our work with director, um, we lead with a lot of the business case for the importance of diversity of thought, because it is a business issue. It's not a women's issue. Uh, because everyone can benefit from it. That's the end goal is, you know, this isn't, it is about equality and it would be nice if it could just be about equality. But at the end of the day, 
there's a lot of benefits that come from it. So that's what we really like to focus on is how do we be better as a whole and hey, equality is a way to that. On the other side though, there are so many women like me with my story who for whatever reasons are stepping aside or stepping out or self-selecting out. And that is something we can work on to change. You know, we can work on it through my biggest uh, or my most favorite way to address that is tangible experience. And so that's why with director, with our board basics workshop, we've kind of moved to this workshop approach where we actually work through a board meeting because I think that yeah that's what terrifies people right is even if you say the words because we haven't tangibly experienced them and because they're so new we still don't know how we're going to feel in it how we're going to react in it so a little bit of that tangible experience goes a long way and then it's a confidence in our skill set and I think how we get to a confidence in our skill set is one building language around our skills so often we're doing all these things and we're just so caught up in the doing that we fail to talk about them. And by failing to talk about them, we don't have the language to properly express them to get other people recognizing the value of them. And so a language around skills is really important and sort of a normalization of talking about skills. And so, you know, one thing I love is how can you start to describe what you do when someone asks you, what do you do? Not as a title. Mm-hmm. How do you start to answer by using some skills or some demonstration of your skills instead? And so uh, I was thinking about this when I was in my very traditional lawyer job, because it's so easy to respond with a one word title. Right. Mm-hmm. And at that point I was working with some people who were really frustrated. And so I could say, if I was going to describe my own work at that point, I could say, you know, I'm getting to do some really interesting work, helping people navigate a really challenging system and doing that by kind of demystifying really complex topics and bringing them down into a really user-friendly, understandable language so that we can get to an end result that helps them through the system. You know, like how do we start bringing to life the skills? And I guarantee you, if I said that to someone instead of, I'm a lawyer, that's going to lead into much more of an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting, like the reason I'm listeners can't see this, but the reason I'm smiling is you say a lot of that. I was like, cause I can relate to that skill set that you're saying right now as a coach, Mm. you know, I help people look at the bigger, like all the little issues that they've got going on and how we can distill that and give them the systems to work through it. And so it's like, in many ways I could describe that the same way. And we do completely, we have completely different titles. Totally. Totally. And that's the beauty of skills, right? Skills are transferable, titles are not. And so skills give you the ability to say, hey, I've done this thing, but this thing can can live in so many different environments, in so many different situations, and can bring benefit to those. And so that, when you start looking at yourself from a skill perspective, that allows you to not only be desirable for other opportunities, it allows you to start to envision what other opportunities can be and to teach organizations what other opportunities can be. Because like you said at the beginning, so many of the organizations are still looking at it in this very box-like way. And so it's it's a teaching of both ways here that has to happen. 
Well, and it occurs to me like this is so helpful for anyone who is unemployed, underemployed, wanting to change jobs as well. Like mm -hmm. board, absolutely for the board work, but also like how do you then move into a different career that's not your title? Like it, it's, yeah. it's so applicable in all areas of your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, thinking that thinking, absolutely so helpful. And then if you are in a situation where you're unemployed, underemployed, wanting to change careers and feel like you need some experience to get you to the next job, think about what a board could maybe help you on that path. Because there's a lot of volunteer not-for-profit boards where it's a great opportunity to pick up a whole whack of skills that can be transferable if you look at it that way, right? Yeah. If you look at it as here's the skills I'm bringing, here's the skills I'm looking to foster and develop and having that conversation to see if it's a fit, now, you know, I don't want people to just jump into any old board experience just to put it on their resume because that's going to be a failing experience for both sides, very likely. You know, you want to have an interest and a passion in the organization you're joining, and you also want to go in eyes wide open to know the challenges you might be facing. It's not that going into a challenging board is a problem. It's just that you want to know you're going into it. Um, but there's tons of opportunity to continue to develop those skills one, by changing how you think about them, and two, by, you know, jumping into kind of unknown territory to develop them. Yeah. So we talk a lot about stress on the podcast. I'm a stress reduction coach. And I, what I think is really interesting about your organization is it sort of reduces stress in a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. One, if you look at the bigger picture of like the stuff that we feel like is out of our control going on in society or in organizations, it's like, well, one way to reduce that stress is to take action and get involved and do something about it. Because if you're sitting on the sidelines and you're just experiencing it that can be very stressful yeah and in the second way you know you're talking about creating giving people the knowledge creating these experiences so they can trial things out that always reduces the stress level because you have it boosts your confidence you've got a little bit of even if it's you know a mock board meeting experience under your belt it gives you that momentum and confidence to sort of to to make us what could have been deemed as a much scarier step right so yeah from a stress perspective, I think you guys are doing yeah. a great thing. Well, and it's interesting on the first point about the participation and kind of managing, you know, feeling so little in a big world, I'll mm -hmm. say it, is uh, when I had my reasons for starting director at the beginning, and I alluded to them at the beginning of this, but particularly since becoming a mom, I'm like, oh my God, to save the world, I have to, you know, end this, fix that, do this. There's like six major global issues that I need to fix. But how I look at director now is I can create an army of women who will go out and they're smart and they're thoughtful and they have great perspective and they're going to go and do these things like with some of my help. So if I put my effort here, mm -hmm. my re return factor is like 10 times or a hundred times or a thousand times what my single body is capable of yeah. doing. So that is also how I manage my stress. <laughs> we need to get you like a cape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's fantastic. I think what you're doing is so, so valuable. Um, and, and I love your approach to thinking about it and it being transferable skills and how, how women can start to identify themselves in different ways. I think it's fabulous. So can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up for a director? Yes. So March 8th, which is also International Women's Day, is a big day for us because that was the day last year we kind of really committed to doing this thing. Um, we had kind of focus grouped it and tested it a little bit, but March 8th was when we really 
came out to the world on social media to say, here we are and we're, we're committed to advancing this accessible governance education and normalizing the discussion about women on boards, which is a big piece of what we do as well. Uh, so to celebrate that first birthday, we're hosting panels in both uh, Edmonton and Calgary with some leading directors uh, to get into discussion about kind of everything and anything. So all these women have very different paths as to how they came to sit on quite large boards. And so I think that will be really interesting and also hopefully inspiring for people to see that many different paths led to the same spot, to your point, not just lawyers, it's not just accountants, it's all sorts of paths that got to the same spot. Um, and also for people who kind of aspire to transition into for-profit board work, which what I would say is directors goal is to really move the needle on women's representation on for-profit boards because in Alberta it's it's quite low it's um about 14 percent when you look at the TSX numbers the companies that have to disclose that are on the TSX women hold 14 percent of the board seats and uh, that is the same rating Sharknado 4 got on Rotten Tomatoes so you know I think we can we can do a little better so all that's to say that there is going to be a lot of topics and I think there'll be something for everyone in our panel. So we're really hoping uh, people would want to come by and celebrate with us. And we'll be featuring some local women-led businesses for pop-up shopping to celebrate International Women's Day. It's going to be very much a community thing. Beyond that, uh, the best way to see what we're up to is either through our website, directornetwork.com or on Instagram at directornetwork because we are running a number of workshops. Our board basics is kind of our you know, foundational piece and that runs throughout the year in both Edmonton and Calgary. But in 2020, we're also introducing a few new things. We're doing a financial literacy 2.0 course to, um, you know, if you kind of got the basics, but you want to dive a little deeper. And this is from the perspective of a non-accountant. Non so what are the questions I should be asking? What are the concepts I should be thinking of and kind of being familiar with as a non-accountant when I sit on a board? We're also doing a chairing your board course. So, you know, as you have that board experience, what may come next is to chair this thing called the board, which is really just being the ringmaster of the circus and making sure it, it kind of flows according to plan. And so we'll be doing a course on that. And then so I would also just say anyone who's a mom who's listening, you have been a ringleader. You can yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, and that is a really good point because so much of what that course will be is understanding that a board is simply a team, a team of people. And those people all come with different assumptions of what it means to govern. And so how do we start to reconcile that comp or that understanding and that definition and then build how we're going to do things, the work of the board on top of that definition. But until we reconcile it, kind of in that shaky foundation stage still. Yeah. Uh, and then in addition to that, the last thing we're offering in 2020 is our skills lab. So I love skills. You may have heard that once or twice in this conversation. And so I wanted to have people start thinking about skills that serve a board and having conversation about them, talking about them, you know, reading about them, listening to podcasts about them, and then practicing them. And so um, what we're working on right now is public speaking, and that's culminating in an event where people can do a live pitch in front of a public speaking coach. But they'll be similar and different ones throughout the year that have that skills focus so tons of stuff going on something for everyone whether you have never heard the word board and this is the first time you've heard it to um, you've already served on boards and looking to kind of up your game and you know on that path to for-profit service 
I love that. Well, we'll link to, to the website and to Instagram and everything in the show notes. So if ladies, if you're listening, get involved, step mm-hmm. up, you, you can have control of your destiny. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, kind of jumping in with both feet, but in a eyes wide open way. And that's what we want. We don't so much of the board experience I've heard about from people is I sat on the kids daycare and it was the worst and I never want to do that again. And I think a lot of that is based in the fact that you either didn't care about the organizations. Often, you know, you kind of just do it because a friend Someone asked you to do whatever, or you just didn't feel like you had enough of those pillars of knowledge to navigate these murky waters. And so the combination of the two is important. And so I wouldn't say like, go join a board tomorrow if you have no idea what the board's about, but this is a way to get you on a path to set yourself up for a really good experience. Yeah. I love it. Well, before we move into the five final questions, I ask all of my guests, I I do, I can cut this part out if it's not relevant. Is there anything you're wanting to touch on that's like separate to director? Is there anything you're passionate about sharing or anything that you do personally that you want to chat about before we do that? Maybe the only thing I will add is, you know, we kind of, alluded to my career transition. So I was a lawyer and I'm still a lawyer, but I've now joined a management consulting partnership where we help boards, big, small, not-for-profit, for-profit. And one thing I'm really excited about, and if there's anyone in the not-for-profit space, I think this is going to be really exciting for them is what I've identified as a bit of a lack of accessible governance, education for the board as a whole. So you can come to director and learn as an individual person, which is great. But for a lot of these boards, um, they need that collective understanding, right? They need to collectively work through what it means to govern and then build process and structure on top of that. And uh, the simple matter of it is that consulting is not cheap and a lot of organizations can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And so what we're working on, which will be coming out in April, is a new tool that will be like an online module tool that a board as a whole can work through to build this kind of understanding, these processes, something we call a board charter, which is like your rules of a road as a board, um, in a collective way at a much more accessible price point. And so... Uh, I just say that because it's something I'm working on right now and my board worlds are all colliding with each other. And uh, I understand that often, you know, I get that because we'll have people come to our session who are like, can you help our board? And that's not really director's role. We're kind of more focused on the individual, but if people are looking and like really desperate for some accessible help as a whole, just maybe stay in touch with us because something's coming. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So the final five that I ask all my guests, what are some of the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way? Maybe we've talked about it. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's whatnot. Yeah. You know, through the last year and through my career shift and um, anything I've been involved with, I think just seeing kind of those aha moments in women, seeing the moments where they recognize in themselves that they can do this, uh, that anytime that shows up, I'm like on cloud nine. So obviously director provides me with a lot of those moments, but simple conversations with people after the fact, the the testimonials or the stories we get after the fact of hearing people who say, yeah, I went for it. I applied for the board. I got it. I'm so excited. That's, I think just so, so fills me up. (laughs) Yeah. 
I can so relate because that's the same for me in coaching. Like when people finally realize that they, yeah, anyways, tangent. (laughs) What's one of the most inspiring books that you've read in the past few years? Yeah. So I look at books in a few different ways. I mean, I have my whole like gender diversity section of books and for anyone that wants to get like just such a great, a great read, so approachable and like user-friendly there is a book called What Works, Gender, Equi- Gender Equality by Design. It's written by Iris Bonet, and she is the dean of the public policy program at Harvard. And she goes through kind of how we have to look at gender equality from a design perspective and what that means for organizations. So it's great to talk about it, but often just talking about it fails. So how do we kind of really structurally implement things that help move the needle? So that's a great one. Um, you know, there's the, the standards like Michelle Obama's becoming is like, yeah. I, I feel like she wrote it for me, but I recognize 12 million people have bought the book or 12 billion or whatever it is. And so I know it wasn't written for me, but I think that's the beauty in that story is you can, so many different people can relate to it. And so if you haven't read it and you're a working mom or you're a professional working mom, please, please read it because it, it speaks to so much of what I believe in, in like kind of following your heart, leading with that skill approach to find a path that works for you. Yeah. And if you do the audiobook, she is talking to you. She, she, and which is what I did. So she yeah. was talking to me for 13 <laughs> hours and it was glorious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I am also a big podcast fan. I mean, I, I don't have tons of time to read books. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is, is an audio format for me um, from the, gender equality perspective there is uh, Harvard Business Review has one called Women at Work and it's great it call, covers all sorts of different topics everything from like mat leave to um, you know more building our skills building our confidence things like that I also just from like a learning perspective because I'm a forever learner I love Freakonomics and Radio Lab because they cover everything and anything in a really accessible way so I can be learning about like CRISPR one day and then like some historical war thing the next day, which I find really good. And it like recalibrates my brain to not be so focused. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Well, we will link to all of those in the show notes. Uh, We talked about stress. What are some of your go-to strategies for handling the stress that comes up in your life? Yeah. So this one's been a work in progress for me. And as I, I think about that, I think that might be the beauty in it is that true stress reduction for me has worked best when I've continually evolved it to meet me where I'm at in my life. And so where I'm at right now is very different than I was when I was a Mm non-parenting kind of very single focused career person. Like it, it, I've changed. And so my stretch stress reduction has had to change along the ways. I think for me, I used to look at stress very much from like as a physical outlet. And so I was really into fitness and that was how I did it, but I was so missing the mental part. And so the mental part has really evolved for me since the birth of my son and something I I very much value now. Um, There's a very simple little tool is a journal called the five minute journal that I like, like three things you're grateful for morning and night, little, you know, affirmation phrase. It's quite simple, but it's, it's good. I, have a meditation practice that kind of comes and goes, but I know it's always there for me if I need it. And I think that perspective is really important. And so 
really my son's laugh can cure anything, but uh, just taking the time to recognize that that's important, right? Yeah. I love that you're talking about meeting you, meeting yourself where you're at with your stress because you're right. And then like, you know, it could be a family member is ill. It could be, you know, a layoff at work, like where you're at, not just like these life experiences really shape what you need when you need it and how to approach mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. I love that you said And that. then also challenging it too, right? Like mm. <laughs> I worked when I was still working, um, at the organization I was, I worked in a pretty male dominated group that was pretty traditional in their thought. And I would like close my doors sometime and meditate for 10 minutes. And I remember this senior guy walked in one time and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm meditating. And he's like, oh, that's probably a good idea. And he walked away. So like, would he have ever been doing that? Was that the norm for the group? No, but you can start to challenge it a little bit, right? Yeah, I love it. What's one of the best life lessons you've learned or advice that you've been given? Mm, yeah, so my mom um, is, you know, quite a feisty lady herself, and a, quite frank, so her language wasn't quite this way, but I'll edit it for the sake of the podcast to, you know, try your best and forget the rest. And, you know, I'm, I think where I've landed with that advice and where I'm at with it now is kind of in that Brene Brown realm of like, if you're in the arena with me, I'll take your feedback. But if you're not, I'm not here for it. And so it's not, I'm not perfect at it. There's no doubt that external opinion can still influence me and, um, you know, impact me positively and negatively, but I'm really trying to work towards really focusing on the feedback that matters. And that is the stuff that comes from perspectives that are in it. And they're not just on the sidelines kind of from the comfort of the cheap seats, if you will. Um, the other one that I mentioned that I really, really have seen in practice, and so I'm trying to practice it myself, is listen to listen rather than listen to talk, because I think it's so critical and so much of the divisiveness in our current conversation and things could be solved if people were actually listening rather than listening with their next point lined up. And you know, I come from a litigation background where you would think people would be listening to listen to be able to respond to argument, but often it was just listening to talk and listening to bang their hands on the table and things like that. And so that's one I'm really also working with and on. Yeah. Such an important lesson though, for sure. Yeah. And the final question, Chantel, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? Mm. To me, you know, I, I'm the type of person who likes to be forever evolving. And so, you know, laying on a beach as lovely as that sounds would not be it for me. I think it's an intentional approach to continually learning, continually growing and continually, continually being challenged. But the intentional piece is really key in that. So I have been in situations in my life where I'm challenged, I'm growing, I'm learning, but I hate every minute of it because I feel no interest or control over it. And control is not the right word there because, you know, sometimes you have to put yourself out of control. But like Um, agency and empowerment. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. So like I'm trying to get to a place where I'm working from a place of want rather than should. And so if I want to be learning and growing and being challenged, then I want to be doing it in a way that feels right for me in the moment. So I think that if I can continue to live in that path, I'll be good. 
<laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure to yeah. have you. Thanks so much. And I really hope that uh, if any of this resonated with your listeners, they check out Director Network and just start to contemplate what kind of shifts in their life might happen by thinking of themselves as this trans transferable set of skills that could you know, give back to their community and really grow themselves. Yeah. I love it. Well, you can find everything, all the links in today's show notes. Thanks, Chantal. Great. Thanks so much. 